0: Welcome to the WisDime Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today's topic is a big topic, a topic that we will not exhaust by any stretch of the imagination in the 15 to 20 minute episode, but it's the topic of law versus grace. And there seems to be a big conversation right now, at least in America, and the body of Christ, And some of the conversation, honestly, is a bit confusing, because the things that people are saying aren't always true. And the accusations that get shot across the bow, when you really dissect them, when you listen to the folks that they say are saying these things, uh, have news, they're not saying that. (laughs) And I'm just going to give you one example Because, honestly, I think every little nuance flows out of this one idea. What a lot of people are saying that these grace teachers are saying or writing or creating little videos about is that their teaching is creating a license attitude in the body of Christ. In other words, that these that this grace teaching is creating an increase of sin because nobody is giving the balance that sins not good. And what's being said is these guys are actually advocating for it doesn't matter how you live because of the grace of God, it doesn't matter how you live. Now, Let me break this down a little bit as I understand it. And I use that phrase because I don't get everything. I don't pretend to be an expert on everything. (laughs) Probably not on anything, to be honest. There's always room to grow and learn. But the way I understand what a lot of these guys that are quote-unquote labeled grace teachers, they... Couldn't be saying anything further from do whatever you want. That's not what people are saying. People are not giving people a license to sin. They're not saying go do whatever you want, it doesn't matter. They're not saying any of that. What they are saying is no matter what you do, God will love and accept you. Period. The end. It's unconditional. So that's not on the table anymore. God unconditionally loves and accepts you, even if you forever choose to reject Him. The other thing they're saying is, hey, we live in a new covenant. You're not governed by the old systems and structures, mindsets, and actually heart and mind. Your old heart and mind was dealt with on the cross. And it's completely dealt with. Done. That doesn't mean just because it's dealt with, there's not things we learn. There's not places we grow. There's not areas in our life that are immature. Or that we don't even have sin issues at times. What it does mean is the governing body, entity, and system is done. Dealt with. Crucified on that cross. We're going to look at a few scriptures That show you that really clearly. But that doesn't mean we don't talk to each other if we're doing something that's hurting ourselves or someone else that that is sin. Because the reason that we confront, the reason that we bring things to the light, the reason that we deal with attitudes and actions and behaviors and they're, oftentimes they're symptomatic of perspectives, of mindsets that are keeping us entrenched in a lifestyle that's no longer ours, that's been dealt with, but yet nobody's told us the good news. So because we don't know it, now we're actually sinning by faith. And I don't, I'm not trying to be cute with that phrase. What I'm saying is because you believe that's who you are, that's why you keep doing it over and over again. And that doesn't always mean that You just have this quick, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm thinking different, and then it's done. At times, there's a process because you don't realize how many lies are in there. But guess what the good news is? The Holy Spirit's really good at getting to the root. And we just ask him, hey, would you show us what am I believing that's causing me to act this way? And the truth is, guys, every action is rooted in a thought. Graham Cook says that a ton. Um And it's true. Every action is rooted in a thought, in a perspective. And when you don't change the thought or perspective, but you just modify your behavior, you start to live in conflict and tension inside. And it doesn't work. And I've had experiences where helping people realize, Hey, God's not mad at you. He's not upset at you. And you know what? Then they go sin. Well, great. I'm going to go do this, that, and the other. And you know, two things happen. Number one, I just revealed what's been going on in their heart the whole time. (laughs) So they could actually deal with it. That's good. And two, they typically return and say, you know what? That doesn't work. It's like, yeah, because Romans 6.23 is pretty clear. The wages of sin is death. Sin doesn't work. It's not life-giving. It's not refreshing. It's not good news. It's awful. That's why Jesus had to deal with it, because we couldn't. We were powerless. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. So let's look at two Old Testament passages that actually give us a window into the New Covenant. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Actually, we can start with verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. That's good news right there. The Old Covenant tells you Jesus... It doesn't say Jesus, but God, who Jesus is God, is going to clean you. I will cleanse you from all, not part, but all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. You're new. I will remove, take away from you, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. so another verse in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers. So what do we know about the new covenant? It's not going to be like the old covenant. When I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Why is he able to do that? Because you got a new heart, and now you have the mind of Christ. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Because they will all know me, from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. So, here's the deal. The main issue between law and grace is an operating system issue. For everyone who's who's so offended by well, the law's got to balance out grace. Or, well, what the law says is irrelevant now. We're missing the issue. The issue, even the New Testament says, the law is holy, it's right, and it's powerless. It cannot change you. It cannot make you holy. It cannot do anything in your life to make you godly. All it can do is point out that you're not. That's it. That's all it can do. What grace has done made you new, made you whole, made you complete, made you a new creation. Scripture doesn't say the old is going and the new is coming. It says the old is gone and the new has come. So when you're living by the law, you're looking to yourself to be God. If you can force yourself to adhere to what you read, then you believe God will accept you. And we may not say it like that, but that's functionally how you live. Here's grace. Grace has taken the law and it's no longer outside of you. Now it's on your heart. Now, it's on your mind. So when you read it, it's not telling you what to do. It's telling you who you are. So when you read, love your neighbor, you don't have to force yourself to love your neighbor. You get to realize love is in your heart. You now have a desire to love your neighbor. And when you focus on that desire, guess what happens? There's emotion. There's, there's, there's a will to actually do something for your neighbor that's loving. But it's not coming from you. It's coming from Christ in you. And that's the difference. And it just, honestly, it's a little annoying to hear all the bickering and the back and forth and the fear and the anxiety and I'm just like, man, What first of all, what's being accused is not even true. And second of all, all the more, nobody I've heard teach on the grace of God advocates for a lifestyle of sin. They actually advocate for a lifestyle of holiness. But what they're saying is the way holiness works in the New Covenant is not the way holiness worked in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, Jesus became our holiness. Holiness isn't a process in the sense of I'm progressively becoming more holy. Holiness, according to the Scripture, according to 1 Corinthians 1.30, you can look it up. It says that Jesus has become our holiness. Holiness is now a person. And he lives in me, therefore I am holy. In fact, the word holy simply means set apart. You can't be partially set apart. You're either fully set apart or you're not set apart. It's not either... It's not partial. There's no in-between. It's either or. And by the way, Jesus did that. To you, for you, as you, in you, through you. So you can't even take credit for that. He did it. But the whole thing is, now we do mature, we do grow, we do become more established in our holiness But how does that happen? Through the renewal of the mind. For our own understanding to catch up to what Jesus has done. And we stop saying things like we're messed up. We stop saying things like, man, I'll never get this right. We stop making those statements and we start declaring or agreeing with what God says about us through his word. Period. The end. What his word says about you. I'm already looking at my time frame. We're going to have to go into a second part because I've got a host of scriptures that I want to hit. And we're not going to get to them today. And that's okay. This will go on for another week, at least. So, what we're saying is, what I'm saying is, and I think what a lot of folks are trying to say is, listen, The way we mature and grow. In fact, Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter 2. He says, in the same way you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, how do you receive him as Lord? By grace through faith, according to Ephesians 2. Continue to live in him. So how do we continue to live in a holy lifestyle? By grace through faith. You'll never earn holiness. Holiness is a gift. Because here's the thing, guys. When you earn holiness, you judge everybody that's not as holy as you. That ain't like God. He doesn't think that way. He doesn't treat people like that. And it's so funny. Often, trying to become godly through your own effort is a great way to not be godly. Because God doesn't do that. In fact, Philippians 2 states that, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Another translation says Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be forcibly retained. In other words, Jesus wasn't sitting around going, gotta be God today, gotta be God today, better be God today, get my best God face on. He knew he was God. He knew he was the Son of God. He just knew it. Therefore, He operated and acted and did things in alignment with that understanding. The thing that grace does that really bothers people is it invalidates your accolades and your accomplishments and what you can brag about because you can't brag about anything anymore. You get to celebrate everything, but you don't get to take credit anymore because you didn't do it. And it doesn't mean we don't practically do things. doesn't mean we don't have thoughts. doesn't mean we don't clean the dishes. It's not what I'm saying. But even cleaning the dishes, you know why we're able to clean the dishes? Because according to Colossians, God is holding you together. He holds all things together. It, like when you realize that, man, now the dishes is no longer a burden. It's actually a place of worship. It's a place of joy. It's a place of excitement. And I know that may sound silly, but it's true. You can actually experience the nearness, the presence, the union that you have with Jesus when you wash the dishes, when you change the diaper, when you take out the trash, when you fill up the gas in the car, when you pay for your meal. Like God has wedded himself into every facet of our life. There is no sacred, secular divide in your life. It is all sacred. That's good news. That empowers and validates so many people. So here's the difference. I'm going to summarize and then conclude for today. Here's the difference between law living and grace living. It is location. When you live by the law, all those standards are outside of you pointing at you, measuring you, telling you where you fall short. When you live by grace, those standards have been moved inside of you. And now, the Holy Spirit is saying, no, nobody, that's not who you are anymore. You look like Jesus now. So let's think, act in accordance with that. And now there's power to do it. The law was powerless to make you holy. Grace has given you all the power you need to live out a holy life without sweating for it, but getting to do it by the grace of God, enjoying the process, enjoying relationship with God, enjoying relationship with people, enjoying working through conflict, enjoying forgiving people, enjoying giving all your money in your bank account away, enjoying receiving generously. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't, grace doesn't remove the radical nature of the kingdom. It just makes it actually doable. (laughs) It makes it actually doable not by the sweat of your brow, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more we just accept that, okay God, you say that I'm patient. I believe you. I'm a patient man. And then when I act impatient, I don't spend three days navel gazing on my levels of impatience. I let the Holy Spirit remind you. Remember, you're a patient man. You're full of patience. And I repent. I stop thinking of myself as impatient. I stop looking at circumstances that that's going to make me impatient. I start, when I'm walking into a situation that I recognize typically I get impatient, I immediately, by God's grace, go into wait a second, patience is going to work for me in this setting. I'm going to slow down, I'm going to listen. I'm going to respond. It's going to be good. And that begins to work. And that begins to now. I don't think about it. And patience is what gets demonstrated in circumstances. So this is going to be part one of Law versus Grace. Next week I want to hit some of the New Testament scriptures. I want to hit Romans 5 and 6, 7. I want to hit 1 Corinthians 15, Hebrews 9. I've got a cool little illustration on the difference between law and grace. And then I want to talk about um, why grace doesn't need to be balanced by the law. We'll see if we get through that all next week. We may have to go into a third part. Um, But it's all going to be good. And it's all straight out of the Bible. uh, Confirmed and affirmed over and over throughout Scripture. Um, And it will be good news. So. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed the podcast, go to iTunes and leave us a review so that iTunes will recommend this podcast to other listeners. Thanks, everyone, and take care.